Good morning, Home Church. Well, last Sunday, if you were here, I know it was the 4th of July weekend, but we had a fairly good turnout. I started a new series last Sunday about the end times. And I want to be clear on this. This is not necessarily about the end times itself, but about how we as believers are supposed to live in these last days. And I mentioned last week how Jesus, when he gathered his disciples on the Mount of Olives and told them about the end times, about the signs and what was going to happen in these last days, that was the point right there, very close to when he died on the cross for our sins, resurrected from the dead three days later, and then ascended into heaven and seated at the right hand of the Father. At that moment, that is when the clock starts ticking. We have been in the last days for almost 2,000 years. And if you know what that is, the last days is the time where the church age is, is, is now. Amen? 730,000 days. It's 2,000 years. We've been in these last days for a long time. And when Jesus was talking to his disciples, he basically outlined three things that we as believers are going to look out for in these last days until we are raptured from this earth. And we haven't gotten there yet because the church is still here, and we're still here, so we know the rapture has not happened yet. But during this time that we're in, there's three things that he said that we're going to experience. The very first thing was deception, that many people will be led astray. That's the first D word I want you to remember is deception. The second thing he said is we would go through destruction, destruction, and those things happen through world wars and conflicts and differing ideologies that you see combating each other. And then the very last thing he mentioned was disaster, and we've gone through many of those things, earthquakes and famines, big time disastrous events that happen, pandemics, those are the kind of things that we can see in these last days and The dirty little secret is we've been experiencing those for the last 2,000 years as part of human history during these last days. So it's not really nothing new, and we tend to react to things that happen in this world because we are in the information age. So it is very quick. When something happens, you know almost immediately, right? And so we're experiencing these things that Jesus called birth pains, and as we get closer to his return, they're happening more and more frequently. So sometimes it's very very true as believer that we tend to idolize the signs of the end of the age versus the savior of the world. And what I want to do as a church is I want to get our minds off the signs and off of wondering when Jesus is returning, when he's going to rapture the church and place our minds more on him. Because he said, the end is not yet. But I think sometimes we act like the end is here. The sky is falling. And yeah, it is. We live in a cursed world. The devil still has control over the things that are happening. And so we feel like the sky is falling. But the discipline comes as being a disciple of Jesus when we can push those things aside and begin to go all in and following him because we still have a mission to do while we're still breathing. Amen. So deception. That is what I want to talk about today. Because there is a lot of it out there. And like I said, we are in the information age. So things are being said. Things are being relayed to us in this world that are untrue. But they sound like they are true. Sounds kind of good, actually, to the flesh. But we need to be aware of that deception and we need to combat it. So what is deception? 
Merriam-Webster, the dictionary, says this, deception is the act of causing someone to accept as true or valid what is false or invalid, the act of deceiving. Who is the author of deception? The devil. The devil is the author of this. Remember, we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against the spirits of the air and principalities that are from the devil. And the devil uses people because who, who do you think is going to perpetrate that information? It's people, right? He can directly give out the deception, but nine times out of ten, he's going to go through people to relay this information that seems like it's good, but altogether it is deceptive. This is what Jesus said. He said this in Matthew 24, verse 4. This is where we're going to pick up. Is see that no one leads you astray. No one leads you astray. He said, many will come in my name saying that I am the Christ and they will lead many astray. We're seeing that now, right? There are certain quote unquote pastors or prophets don't necessarily say they're the Christ, but they act like they know the way. They tell us what it is that we need to do. They feed us things that are not biblically true or accurate and it leads us from Jesus into following them rather than following Jesus. And we have to be able to discern what is true versus what is not true. And Jesus says here, he says, see that no one leads you astray. The whole see that. He's telling his disciples, you see to it that you make sure that no one leads you astray. He's placing that responsibility on them Henceforth, he is placing it on us 2,000 years later. The responsibility is ours to see to it that the no one leads me astray. And that no one is whoever the devil is using to perpetrate this deception. If we know the devil is the father of lies, and we know the way that he works, then we're able to see to it that we're not going to be led astray. And see, the enemy's been doing it for a long time. We go back to Adam and Eve. He twists the word very slightly, and he does it usually with a question. With Adam and Eve, it was, did God really say not to eat from the tree of knowledge, that fruit? Did he really say that? And you fast forward to Jesus in the wilderness. God just told Jesus, told everybody, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then Jesus is driven into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit and the devil comes to him and says, if you are really the son of God. The devil is going to do everything he can to twist the word, to make us believe something or do something that is against the word. We gotta have our guard up. Man, I heard, I heard Cheryl up here saying that we need to renew our mind. I'm actually gonna be talking about how to do that. And I know I've got a lot of experience in here and many people have been following Jesus for a long time, but then there's people in here that haven't been following him for that long. And whether you're the young generation or in between or the older generation, we all have our experience in following Jesus. And let me tell you something, if you're part of the younger generation, it's a lot more difficult nowadays to be able to have that renewed mind than it is for somebody who's been following Jesus for a long time. There's a lot of things that are out there that sound good, that the world is saying this is the truth and this is what you need to believe in, but ultimately it's deception. And I think sometimes younger people tend to grab onto those things 
versus some of us that are a little bit older that have more experience in following Jesus. And that's why I think the younger need to listen to the older, but at the same time, the older also need to understand where the younger are at so that we can help each other have that renewed mind moving forward as we're following Jesus so that we can filter out the deception that the enemy is feeding us through the world and through all the avenues of information that are out there. Every day, and I need to turn it off, but every day I get alerts from news. On my phone, it pops up. It's like as soon as something happens, boom, there it is. As soon as somebody says something, boom, there it is. It's constantly in our face. And we need to know how to discern. The only way to stand for truth and combat deception is with discernment. And that is a very spiritual word, but that is exactly what we're going to talk about today, is how do we combat deception? How do we make sure that we are not led astray? Because it is our responsibility. And it's very simple. We really need to tender that relationship that we have with Jesus. We, need, we really need to invest in that relationship because through that, we'll get that discernment that we need to be able to make sure that our minds and our hearts and the way that we live are holy and not worldly. And that's not easy, especially when we're surrounded by it and we're outnumbered, it seems like, right? As we are fighting this battle to remain vigilant. Remember last week I said that being vigilant in these last days is living proof that Jesus is returning soon. That vigilance, we need to be vigilant against deception. We need to be vigilant against destruction and against disaster. These things that Jesus said are the signs of the last days that we live in in the church age. This vigilance, if you remember what I said last week, is this alertness that we should have Alertness, not just for the things that are bad that are coming in at us, but the things that provide an opportunity for us to be Jesus to somebody, for us to show Jesus to somebody, for us to tell somebody about him. That vigilance is looking for that opportunity. But it's also, as you remember the definition that I gave last week, it's safeguarding our heart, our mind, our soul against the things that come against God's word. That vigilance is so important. And so we need to be vigilant against deception, and we do that with discernment. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you so much for this church. Thank you for those that are watching us online. Those of us that are here, I just ask that you give us an open mind and heart to receive your word today. Let the Holy Spirit stir within us what is being said today. Let what I am saying today be from you and only from you so that we can walk out of here with the understanding of how we can be vigilant against the deception that the enemy is portraying through the world, through information, through social media, through all the various channels that are pounding our minds and our hearts in this day and age. And Father, we thank you that we will be able to discern the truth. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen. So last week, my wife and I went on vacation and we spent some time on a beach. How many of you in here are beach people? Let me see your hands. That should be every one of you. If it's not you, you need prayer. <laughs> the beach is where to go, to relax, to listen to the waves hit the ocean. And we had the privilege and honor to be able to go with uh, my brother and sister-in-law who are watching online. 
Hi, Jonna and Clint. They are watching from Houston. See, every morning we had this routine. We'd get up, we had a coffee in our room, and then we'd go out to the beach. We'd watch the sun slowly rise up over us and just experience just the beauty of the beach and have the waves crash in. And our peaceful, blissful moment was often interrupted by a tractor that would go back and forth continuously in front of us between where I was and the ocean, this tractor, back and forth, back and forth. Well, we went to a location that has a problem with seaweed. And the seaweed would just build up against the beach. You would see, literally see the ocean roll in with, with the seaweed on the ocean and it would just throw it up on the beach. And so this beach comber was going back and forth with this tractor to make sure those beaches were clear. It was a continual process. And if he stopped, it would become unmanageable. You'd be able to smell it. You would be able to litter the beach to the point where you didn't want to even get in the water. But see, due to this, the, the vigilance of this man on this tractor, he was able to clear the beach and keep it clear, but he had to continually work at it. And my friends, that's exactly what God brought to me as how we need to be with our minds. It's a continual process of combing our minds for this seaweed that we don't want to come into our minds and, and literally litter our hearts. And just like this tractor, this guy on this tractor, we have to continually go back and forth. We continually have to be aware of what's coming up on our beach, if you will, and be actively there to engage it and clear it of anything that we don't want there. Being vigilant versus deception takes a constant effort. It's constant. Because I guarantee you there's somebody in here, and I will not say who, but probably somebody is in here scrolling through Facebook right now while I'm preaching. And you know what? No judgment or condemnation here. But if you're doing that, if you're on social media right now, you're, you're getting information right now. It's constant. Therefore, we need to be even more constant in how we are combing our minds against that deception. What we're seeing right now in this age of grace as we're here, the church, we're still remaining here before Jesus raptures us, is we're seeing an increase of deception. And what the devil is doing is he's setting the table for the time when we, the church, are out of here. We're the only thing standing in the way right now of deception going full blown. We're the only ones, the church. We're in the way of that. And we've seen over history moments of time where when deception runs rampant, things go way out of control, uh, i.e. World War II, Nazi Germany. How one man could take advantage of a situation and murder millions of people in cold blood and start a world war that would kill hundreds of millions of people. It's insane to me. But that gives you kind of a, a perspective of what it's going to be like when the church is out of here and there's nothing standing in the way of deception any longer. We're seeing it happen right now, and it's gonna go hardcore once we're out of here. So every lie told today is spiritual. Every politician, every person on Instagram, TikTok, you name it, whatever it is that you're looking at, that's coming at us with lies, Every quote-unquote pastor 
every quote-unquote prophet, anybody who is giving out lies is being led by the devil and it is spiritual. So how is it that you beachcomb your mind of the deception? You need to feed your discernment. I'm going to say that again. You need to feed your discernment. It's something that you have to see to. It's something that you're responsible for. If you're taking notes today, I want you to, to write down, feed your discernment. And what is discernment? Webster says this, the quality of being able to grasp and comprehend what is obscure. I love that definition. The reason why I love it is because it's not necessarily something that this, this deception is just straight black and white. It comes very obscurely to you. You have to have a discerning mind to see it and say, wait a minute, that sounds good, kind of feels good, but there's something there that ain't right. It's very obscure. So discernment is this ability to see the obscurity and call it out for what it is. And in order to do that, you've got to feed your discernment. And I'm going to give you the big idea of my whole message. So if you want to take a nap after I'm done here, you can't. But I'm going to say it right now. If you feed your discernment, you will filter out deception. It's very simple. The more you feed it, the more you can filter out the obscure lies that the enemy is trying to portray through the world to us, the church. Now, I I was thinking about this in the sense of like a screen door. And now, I don't know about you, but I really don't like insects. I don't like flies, and I especially do not like mosquitoes. For some reason, I have the blood type that mosquitoes just absolutely love. They won't bite Lisa, but they bite me. And I really don't like that. So if you have a screen door, and if you ever open your door on a summer day and want to let the air go flow through your house, the tighter the screen on your door, the more insects you're going to be able to filter out. Versus the larger screen doors where some of those insects can get through. So the more that you feed your discernment with biblical truth, the more you're going to be able to filter out the obscurity. The more obscure these lies are, the better are you're going to be able to filter them out because you're feeding your discernment. That discernment is feeding us with the word of God. The more we do that, the more we fill our well. Because we have, as as newly created men and women in Christ, we have that ability to to fill ourselves. We can fill ourselves with the lies of the world, or we can fill ourselves with God's word. And the Holy Spirit can actually help you more so in discerning against lies the more you fill your well. The more I know God's word, the more the Holy Spirit can draw from what I know and I'll be able to filter out the garbage that's coming at me from the world. Does that make sense? The problem we have in the church is we have spiritual apathy, spiritual laziness, we're not vigilant. So we're not spending personal time on the word. We're not listening to the words of the worship music instead we're listening to the sound. We're not spending time with Jesus. We're not praying in the spirit. We're not using the gifts that God has given us to fill our wells. 
And so when things come at us that sound good, that are very obscure, we accept them as truth. And we're no longer at that point safeguarding the word of God. Instead, we're just going along with the world. And how many of us know that leads to somewhere we don't want to go, amen? We can't compromise the truth anymore. The word is not outdated. It's not loosely interpreted. It's in black and white on a page. And in some cases, red letters. That mean that we really need to pay attention to it because it's Jesus speaking to us. We need to spend that time filling our well. And that's why I'm starting off this way because I gave you the big idea. The more that we feed our discernment, the more we can filter out the deception. And that means, folks, we need to spend time in the word. Simple as that. How do we do that? This is what Paul said. How do we feed our discernment? Romans 12, verse 2, if you've been in church, you probably know Romans 12 very well. If you haven't, that's okay, because we're going to go through this together. This is what Paul said. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. That's on us. When we received Jesus, we became the new creation. Our spirit man was immediately changed, moved from death to life by placing our faith in Jesus. That was not on us, amen, and I'm glad it was not. That was on God. But this whole thing about being transformed and not conforming to the world That is on us. The renewing of our mind, that is on us. That does not automatically happen when you get saved. That is something that we need to work on. That is something that we need to be vigilant about. That is our responsibility. And Jesus said before he went to the cross during the Last Supper, he said, I'm going to send you a helper, right? The Holy Spirit to remind you of the things that I've taught you. And a helper does not mean I'm going to do her. It's a helper. Holy Spirit is going to help. Amen. We got to be responsible to fill the well. We got to be responsible to not be conformed to this world and instead allow God through his word to transform our minds and renew it. The renewal of the mind. I'm going to ask you a couple questions, and these are rhetorical. Don't say amen or raise your hand. But how many of us still have worldly thinking? We are still having to place under God's word. How many of us are compromising the word to fit what we believe? And we all do it. They're all things that sound good, and we kind of accept them, and we overlook God's word. And sometimes our flesh will even say, and this I believe is the enemy, well, that's outdated. That doesn't fit with the times we live in today. That doesn't apply to you. And so there's things in our life still that we need to renew our mind with God's word. We need to put it through that filter. And see, the problem is this, is that, that I may be passionate about something that I think is right, but the word is saying something otherwise. So what am I going to line up with? 
I'm going to line up with what I feel is right. Am I going to say that's okay for that person to do that or that's okay for that group that believe that or am I going to line myself up with God's word and say, wait a minute, this is what God's word says. Like what I need to do to renew my mind is I need to actually seek the truth. I know I'm feeling this way about something, this issue or whatever it is that's my pet thing that I, that I believe in, that I love. Or I might have friends that are doing something that, because they're my friends, I agree with. But necessarily, they don't, it does not line up with God's word. I, I have to seek the truth. I have to go look in the word and say what the word says. What does it say about this situation? I need to, to take my mind that may still think what the world thinks, and I need to now renew it in what God's word says. That renewal process, what do you do with that? You got to seek. You got to study the word. Well, I don't feel like it. Well, you need to start feeling like it. That's the discipline, the discipling part of following Jesus is you got to take your flesh and you've got to make it obedient. That's that responsive obedience I was talking about yesterday, last Sunday. I got to say, listen, I I have this that's coming at me and I actually feel like this is something I believe in or I agree with. But now I need to go to God's word and I need to discipline my flesh to say, you know what? I need to spend time in studying his word. Well, how do I do that? Open it. Like I could sit here and give you my process of going through the word, but ultimately it has to become yours. You have to open. It's called relationship. You got to work at it. The number one way you're going to commune with God, the number one way you're going to hear from Jesus is opening that Bible and reading it. And then the helper, who's the Holy Spirit that's in you, is going to start to bring things to light. And whatever it is that he's bringing to you, write it down. Keep a journal of what he's telling you. You got to study yourself approved. When I was at VMI, I majored in history, and I had a lot of exams and a lot of reading I had to do. A lot. I think half the time my head was on the book rather than actually my eyes because I was sleeping. A lot of reading. And I remember my professor would give us an exam, tell us what was on the exam. And I would go back to my room and I would actually study my brains out. I would remember everything that we learned. I would memorize my notes practically. And then I would take the exam and I would do really well on it, but then I would brain dump the information. Natural thinking don't work. But if you study God's word and you memorize it and you get it into your heart, There ain't no way you're going to be able to brain dump it because the helper is there to bring it to your remembrance. So so for those of you that say, well, I don't study, I don't like to read, I don't do that very well, well, try God. Put the Holy Spirit to the test in the sense that you're going to start studying, you're going to start reading, and you're going to start memorizing, and then wait for the day that I'm going to talk about here in a minute to where you confront something that's coming at you, that's information that's deceptive, and he's going to bring that word to your remembrance and you're gonna be able to overcome it. And that is not gonna become your truth. What you read in the word is gonna be the truth. Renew your mind. It just takes reading comprehension to the next level when our spirit man is filled and the Holy Spirit is there to help us to remember. 
Your action for the renewal part is to start studying, studying the Bible. Every day, not to toot my horn, but I get up at five in the morning and I read. And sometimes it's easier for me just to read, just open and just read. Don't even try to, to think about what the Bible is saying in the sense that you're trying to figure out something that you need to write down. Just open and read. Just start your reading time with, Lord, here I am. I'm spending time with you, Holy Spirit. Let me know what it is you want me to know. And just start reading. And he'll bring things to you. And when that happens, you write them down. Or what I like to do is I like to highlight what it is that he's telling me in his word and then write it off to the side in the margin. And I've got a journal and I've even thought about how this Bible, I have this huge ESV study Bible that I, I go through and when I die, I hand it off to my kids or my grandkids. It's like you're leaving a legacy. It's not just for you, but it's for your, your people, your family. Amen. Study yourself approved. So renew is step one in the discernment process. Step two is test. The Bible says to test. So as the information is coming at me, I'm able to test it against God's word. The Holy Spirit will bring it to you. Say, nope, you feel that in your heart? That's telling you what you're hearing is not truth. Here is the truth. I'm going to give you an example. Love is love. Is that true? Love is love. We're hearing that a lot in the world today. Listen, I don't want to attack anybody. I'm not trying to do that. But love is love. It sure sounds good, right? A person giving their heart to somebody else. Love is love, whether you're gay, straight, whatever. That sounds good. And I've been hearing that a lot. And so I was praying, I was asking God, give me an example of a time where you gave me this discernment, how you helped me to test what was coming at me. And what he told me was this, you're hearing love is love. Well, no, what does my word say? My word says God is love. And so I started to go down this, this brainstorming process with the Holy Spirit. Okay, God is love. Not love is love, but God is love. So if God is love, then everything that God says about love is love. What does he say about love is love? Well, it's between a man and a woman when you're thinking of it on that level. That's what he says. And marriage is between one man and one woman. That love is sacrificial. That God himself is love. And so whatever his word says about love is what love is. Not what the world says love is. So if you're hearing that out there and that sounds good to your flesh, you've got to allow what you know about the word to help you discern the truth. And that's the process. So what I do is if I hear something and Usually it's through the news, I'll hear something and I know that's not true. Well, where's the biblical reference to that? I'll actually ask the Holy Spirit to show me something and he does based on what I have filled myself with because I know the word, but I don't know all the word, but I know the word that I have studied so that well is there, he can draw from it 
And when he gives me something, what I end up doing is I speak it out. Like our words have power when they're spoken, right? So I remember when he said to me, so when I said, so, okay, give me an example of something, Lord, that you've helped me with. He goes, well, love is love. All right. Well, then he says, well, but my word says God is love. So then I speak that out. God is love. Wow. It brings it to life, right? God is love. And if I'm around people, I typically will say it in my heart. I'll say it in my heart. Somebody comes to me like Cheryl and says, I'm afraid. Like, that was, that was a huge admission of her today, come up here to say that. That took a lot of guts, by the way, Cheryl, to say I've been in fear. God has revealed to me that I'm in fear. Well, as soon as I hear that from somebody in my congregation, and immediately the word comes to me, well, I have not given her a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and of a sound mind. See, there's that discernment. Like, the enemy would love to say, hey, being afraid is okay because all of us experience fear. No, being afraid is not okay. God doesn't want us living in fear. So then that word comes to me, well, he has not given Cheryl a spirit of fear, but one of love, power, and of a sound mind. You see how that works. That's discernment. And then that's speaking it out. That is testing it. So if you renew your mind with the word, and then you are testing the word against the situations or the information that the world brings to you, then you're on that process of having the mind of Christ. You're in that process of discerning what is right, what is true, what is the will of God. That's the next thing, is discern. The renewing and the testing is always active in our life. As we go out throughout our day and throughout our week and throughout the things that we go through and and we're hearing all the things that we're hearing on the radio and social media and everything, We are constantly in the process, at least you should be, in renewing and testing. It never ceases. It's like the beachcomber on the beach. Back and forth, back and forth. Renew and test. Study the word and test what's coming at me. Renew and test. And when you do that, then all of a sudden now you have the ability that Jesus has and had when he walked on this earth to discern to discern. You have the mind of Christ. You can discern. And it reminds me of the time when the Pharisees came up to him when he was in the temple and started challenging him on divorce. And he was able to go back to what Moses said about it, the reason why divorce was allowed at, for, for a certain reason, for a biblical reason. He was able to hold their feet to the fire, even though they were trying to twist the truth on what God really said about divorce. He had that discerning mind. So when you renew and test, there comes the discernment, and then once you have that, your mind is renewed. You're being transformed. And because of that, now you're able to, as the word says here, discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So now you're equipped to be vigilant against the deception of this world. The mind of Christ is a renewed mind. A renewed mind is a sober mind. The lies of the world that sound good, that make you feel good, that sometimes we easily accept is almost like drinking alcohol. 
It makes your mind drunk with the lies of the world. And that's why the Bible says not to be drunk, but to be filled with the Spirit, right? That the sober mind that we want is the mind of Christ so that we are not drunk with the lies of this world. And as we're living in these last days of the church, that is our responsibility. And I can't make you do it. I can't make myself do it sometimes. I admit that. But we've got to be vigilant against the deception. We're the ones that are holding the line. We're the ones that are letting the light of Jesus shine from us. We're the ones that have got to tell people the truth in love, not condemning and judging, but in love. And ain't no way we can do that. There's no way we can safeguard our own hearts, let alone somebody else, if we don't have the knowledge of the word. If we're not filling our will so the Holy Spirit can draw from it. So what Peter wrote, 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 13, he said this, therefore preparing your minds for action, the whole renew and test, you're preparing your mind for action. The action is discernment. He says, therefore preparing your minds for action and being what? Sober-minded. That mind of Christ, that transformed, renewed mind, that mind that renews, tests, and discerns. And being sober-minded, you do what? You set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. In other words, the worldly thinking that you used to think. Don't be conformed to it. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. That, my friends, is the battle. My inner man has been renewed. But now I've got to outwardly show that. And I need to be holy as Jesus is holy. If I've been made a new creation in Christ, and I am seated with him in heavenly places, and I'm now a child of God adopted into his family, and now when I am looked upon by God, I am not looked upon as a sinner, but as someone who is saved by grace, and am now seated with his son, by golly, I better be holy as he is holy. And in order to do that, we've got to have that renewed mind. We've got to constantly go back and forth, renew and test and discern. Matthew 24, verse 4. I'm going back to the first thing that Jesus said as the sign, one of the signs of the end of the age. He says, Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. What I want to do is I want to reiterate to see that. You see to it that no one leads you astray. You see to it. There's only so much that I can do in about a 30 to 40 minute time span. The rest of the week is on you. You got to see to it. And so as I was praying through this and what hit me as I was writing this on the plane over here, back home from where I was on vacation, 
What God said to me was this. He said, you're so worried about what the devil is saying through people that deceives you. What are you saying about yourself that's deceiving you? Translation, we can be the greatest deceivers of our own hearts. We can deceive ourselves more so than the world. And maybe there are some of you in here that need to take some action on some things that you are telling yourself that is not actually lining up with the word of God. Maybe you need to renew and test and discern some situations in your own life that you're dealing with. I'm going to give you a few examples. I don't need to read a Bible. I'm not a reader. I just go to church. The enemy would love you to do that. Not to read the Bible. How about this? I can handle this addiction. There's no need to reach out for help even though I'm constantly going back to this addiction, keep telling myself, I can handle it, I can handle it. I'm confident in what I believe in and think Jesus would see it my way. A pastor, and I use that word loosely, said this, All people are going to heaven because of Jesus and what he did for us. You don't have to believe in him. Again, that's, if you look at it in the sense that, hey man, the whole world's going to heaven, that's awesome. Sounds good, but it's not, and it's not truth. Or as I said today, love is love. You know, there's things that we tell ourselves And sometimes we're we're our own best deceiver. So it's not just about guarding the people around us and and being Jesus to those around us that we're supposed to be vigilant in when it comes to deception, but it's also our own souls, man. My spirit is good to go, but it's the soul that we're constantly having to work on. And if there's anything you're hearing from me today that I want you to take away, It's be more invested in your relationship with Jesus by opening the good book. It's going to do you wonders. Everybody, please stand. Everybody's head bowed, nobody looking around. If you're in here today and you're dealing with something, dealing with an addiction, you're dealing with something and you're telling yourself and you've been telling yourself for a very long time that you can handle it. Nobody's looking around. I got people that are standing along the back of this auditorium that would love to pray with you and agree with you that this thing is over. And maybe there's something you might need some help with that we can point you in the right direction. If that's you today, I'm going to ask you to do something extremely bold. That is raise your hand. There is something that you're dealing with today that you cannot put down because you've tried. See that hand over there. Thank you. 
And you want to say today, listen, I'm done deceiving myself and thinking that I can handle it. And I want to get some help. Anybody else want to join this one over here? Maybe you're in here today and you realize that you are wrestling. There's something telling you that you're in the wrong and it's time to give your life to Jesus. Again, this self-deception that I don't need Jesus. I'm all good. Well, Jesus died for you just as much as he died for me because I used to be that person. I used to say the same thing when people were like, you got to receive Jesus. I used to say, no, I'm all good. That's you today, and you want to commit your life to Jesus right now. Make this the day of your salvation. If that's you, then I'm asking you to raise your hand. So we would love to pray with you. Maybe you're in here today you need to recommit your life to Jesus. You know you have been led astray. Now it's time to come back to him and get back on the narrow way. If that's you, he is reaching out to you with open arms. He wants you back. He's not judging you yet because the end is not yet. He wants you back. He wants you all in. He wants to be reconnected. He never left you, but you left him. If that's you today, and you want to come back to him, let me see your hand. Be bold. This is not a time to cower, but a time to respond. That's you. Last but not least, talk today about the Holy Spirit being placed inside of you to be your helper. But he also is a free gift that comes upon you for power to be the witness of Jesus to those around us. The evidence of that is speaking in other tongues. You might have heard people do that this morning. If that's you today, you'd like to be filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues, or maybe you have questions about it what that means. Again, there are people that would love to pray with you. If that's you today, I'm also asking you to raise your hand. We're about to worship one last time before we leave. If you raised your hand, or maybe you didn't raise your hand, you'd like to respond. As we're worshiping, again, we have people that are along the back of the wall that would love to pray for you. As we're worshiping, go seek prayer. Allow people to sow into your life. Allow God to use them to minister to you. Father, I thank you for everybody that's here. I just thank you for your word. 
and to thank you for this opportunity to worship you, to worship Jesus before we head out to our week. Father, I thank you for the ability to discern. In Jesus' name, pray. Amen.